0: a series on relationships. We said we're going to kind of talk on relationships till all your relationships are fixed, and then we'll go on to something else. Um, so we're on port, part four today, and uh, it, we t- we've been talking about relationships because we all have them. Some of them make our lives happy. Some of them make our lives miserable. We talked about funerals yesterday, and it's the reason they're so difficult. It's because there's a loss of relationship, um, and that's something that um, we want to, to focus on because there's, there's since we have them and we're involved in them... There's so many principles that God's Word talks about that help us to succeed in them. That's what we wanted to talk about. So we, through this series, we've got content from Focus on the Family, from a guy named Leon Fontaine out west, from a guy named Andy Stanley from uh, down south, today's. Today's uh, message, parts of it, you can find if you go and check out Andy Stanley's future family. Uh, if, if this resonates with you, I'd encourage you to go Google that, look it up, watch the whole thing. Because uh, there's some things there that we're not going to touch on today. But um, just, just some, uh, some powerful stuff. Because the resources are everywhere out there. We just need to resource ourselves. We need to resource ourselves um, by going and digging it up, finding it. So it's what we want to talk about. But the Bible has so much to say about relationships, and we want to look at that today. Um, three weeks ago, we talked about the tension that there is between what the Bible says. It's like, that's just so ideal and kind of antiqu- it, old. Uh, and then there's, uh, there's the, uh, the other side where it's like, this is my real life. It looks nothing like that. So either that doesn't matter. Or, um, or the, the real life, this is just not fixable. And we said there's a tension in between and you know, we're happy to live in that tension. We're going to keep dealing with what's real, but we're never going to stop speaking or teaching about what's, what's ideal. Then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that one thing that's going to stop you from actually working on your relationships. Talked about that dark side of pride. If you missed that one. Grab a bowl of ice cream and listen to it online. It's a gooder. Uh, And then the uh, closing the gaps we talked about last week. Sometimes there's gaps because of conflict, but not all the time. Most of the time, the gaps in our life is because of drifting. And so we talked about how to bring your family closer together. And it it involved one question. Anybody remember what the question was? It started with what? What can I do for you? Someone did their homework. The rest of you, curve will bring you up. What can I do for you? you what can I do to help what can I do to help is the question we we challenge everybody to ask every single day this week at least once what can I do to help Uh, and today we want to look at something that we all have in common in our relationships and it's called conflict every one of us in some part uh, maybe you're in it today maybe you know it was the uh, drive here and now you're smiling at me but boy wait till the ride home it's on again Um, (laughs) yeah I know how that goes um uh, from, from when I was a child, from when I was a child, all right? so. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, the dictionary just talks about conflict being these serious arguments, um, and, and we all have them, these disagreements and arguments that we get into with those in our, in our family relationships. And it could be about big stuff, um, but it's, it's crazy enough. It could be about little stuff too. It's like something, you know, the, the toilet seat or the toothpaste, and it could just be full-blown heated stuff. It could be about past stuff. Ten years ago, you remember it like it was yesterday, and you're arguing about that. That didn't happen. Yes, it did. No, it did. Not like that. Yes, it did. It was worth, And it gets on. Maybe it's about ongoing stuff, and you're just like, I just don't know. We have the same argument over and over and over again. Maybe it's you and your kids. Maybe it's you and your... Teens, but you know, in my house, this is a daily occurrence, this arguments and these fights, and sometimes it 's hourly and I know you thought, boy, Beth and Mark, they have a great marriage. How is this possible it 's true it 's not about us it 's about our children uh, we got four, We got four little kids that you know yesterday they they stayed up way too late on fr- on um on uh, Friday night, you know, we took them out to the movies and they didn't get enough sleep. They woke up way too early, and like five times they had to be sent to the room before breakfast, right? But they're fighting, they're screaming, we're coming up, and we keep asking this question: why are you fighting? What's wrong? And I promise you, like almost every single time the sentence they start with, the first word of that sentence is a name. It's always, Lincoln, at this, but of you know, next it. And it's always it starts with this name. Why are you fighting? them. And so as a parent, you know, they didn't teach us this in parent school, but you know, you got to be a parent, and then you got to be like the referee to pull them apart. Then you got to be like the judge to like try their case, and then the jury. Then you got to be the parole officer to make sure they actually do what you punish them to do. And and all of that, you go through that, and then 10 minutes later, you're starting all over and doing it again, because conflict just happens. And as we become adults, we sort of manage it better, but not always. And family um, family conflict, it's complicated. Because we all deal with it differently. You know, husband and wives, you know, you deal with conflict differently. Your teens and parents dealing with conflict differently. You know, maybe some, for some, you're the peacemaker. You know, you just don't like conflict at all. You see conflict coming, you're like, I'm fine. It's fine, fine. We'll do whatever you wants, fine. And, you know, fine, fine, fine. And then, you know, if, you're, if it's your wife and she says, fine, she's not fine. Um, she's just, you know, not wanting to deal with the conflict and it doesn't go away. For some, you're the yeller. You're just, you know, whoever's the loudest wins. That's my family growing up. Just loud, you know. If, if it was on, you got it out and you're done. You win. Silent. For some of you, it's the opposite. You know, here's the silent type. There's conflict. You're not talking about it for days and days. If you're not talking about it, nobody gets to talk. And then there's some, you're the debater. You're like the best arguer ever. If there was a trophy, you'd have them all. Every argument that's ever happened in your family, you won. Because you just know, right? And even when you're losing, you've like looked it up. You're like, when you're losing an argument, just start, you know, correcting their grammar on their side. And you're back in again, right? And you can win. For those of you who needed some ammo, there you go. Um, you can win any argument. But the, th- the thing is this. When you win an argument in your family, you don't actually win anything, You know, at work, you might win something, right? If you have an argument and you're like, hey, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. Or at the little league, you know, when the the umpire gets it wrong and you fight for it and you get an extra run, you know, you could win something. But in your family, you might win, but did you really win? No, actually, because that conflict is still there. You just just feel a little bit better about yourself. So this morning, what we want to talk about is what's causing all the conflict in your relationships? What's the cause? Why are you fighting? What is the cause of all of it? When you ask that question, do you, know what, do you know what's causing all the conflict in your relationships? You probably start thinking, ah, I, think I, I think I do. And there's a name coming to your mind right away. You're like, it's that woman you gave me, Lord. You know, it's, it's, it's her, you know. And, and, and we're about to find out that there's one common cause of all the conflict on the planet. And husbands, some of you are thinking, my wife's the cause of all the conflict on the planet. It's not your wife, right? We're going to get there. So um, a lot of times we think we do and we think that, you know, it's a name, but actually the the answer to this question has been here all along for 2,000 years almost. The answer to the question of why are you always fighting? It's been here. And the answer has been in a in in a in a book, in a letter that was written to some people um, 2,000 years ago. It was written to the Jewish um, believers who had been persecuted and, and chased out of Jerusalem. Uh, and so this guy named James we believe to be the brother of Jesus he wrote this letter to them and he was like James was like Mr. Practical he's like here's the do 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 Martin Luther when he read James he's like this guy doesn't have a this this shouldn't even be in the Bible Martin Luther thought because he figured it's all about what you believe not what you actually what you do and so um he you know he says just kind of the letter of straw it's not going to make it but you know what Jesus had other um, thoughts on that, and it's part of, the, part of the thing that we call the Bible, and it's part of the, um, the, the, the practical things we look at, it and it's like, I could actually do something with this. So Mr. Practical, James, he wrote one of the most profound relational insights ever, 2,000 years ago, that answers the question we just asked, and he actually starts with, so James chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, look there, James chapter 4, verse 1, he asks the same question, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? He's like, what is causing it? And we naturally begin to think of other people, right? We're like, the problem is that my husband is always late. You know, the problem is that my wife spends too much. The problem is my kids never listen. The problem is my parents never listen. And we're like, we just get into the blame game and it begins there, and it kind of goes around. And, and it's, it's the oldest game in the world. It started ever since there's been a man and a woman. There's been this game, you know, that, that uh, you know, Adam and Eve together and, uh, you know, in the garden, and they mess up. And he's like, you know, what did you do? And, he, and Adam's like, uh, um, it was Eve. And Eve's like, it wasn't me. It was the snake. And you know what? It's, it's, it's actually, you know, Adam, it's, it's his fault. He was there, and he didn't stop me. And then Adam right away, he's like, well, God, it's actually... It's actually your fault because, you know, I was fine on this planet and you thought I needed a woman. You thought I needed somebody. You're the one who gave her to me and she led me astray. It's your fault. Never wanting to take ownership. For the record, it's Adam's fault. Right. So um, they said, though, this idea of blame, 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 blame. And it's been going on since then and we still do it today. But I want to challenge you with this thought. As long as you blame others for your unhappiness, you will always be unhappy. As long as you, do we have that up there? As long as you blame others for your unhappiness, you will always be unhappy. Why? I was trying to think of how to best illustrate this. I thought, how do I illustrate happiness? And, and then I found something. <laughs> Liquid happiness. I know for those of you who are anti-Tim Hortons, I can't, I'm sorry, but this is like happiness in a cup. You know, and you know how I know? Because you can wake up like feeling like super tired. like You're like dog tired. When you wake up, you look like, this in the morning, and then you have one of these, and then you look like this, right? It's like happiness in a cup, and so, you know, the, the, the thought is that when you, when you're blaming the they's in your life, they need to do, they need to change, you know, what you actually do is you hand control of your happiness over to they, And you're like angry and they might be your wife and they might be, you know, your teen or they might be your parent. And you're angry at them and you're blaming them for your unhappiness. And so it's kind of like putting the happiness in their hands saying, well, fine, you can make me happy again whenever you darn well decide you want to. When you're going to change, when you're going to spend less, when you're going to do something, then, you know, when you're going to apologize, when you're going to do whatever, then you can give the happiness back to me. And we would never do that in real life if we're thinking about, we're not like, I'm not going to give control of my happiness to the person that I'm in conflict with because they're probably never going to give it back. And it's actually what's happening. And they don't give it back. And the cycle keeps sitting there. You're angry and seething because they got what you want and you can't have it. I can't be, I won't be happy until they do something. And maybe and James asked these Jewish people this too, they thought that too. Maybe right away they're like, he asked the question, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? And they're like, it's Bartholomew, you know, or it's Nicodemus or Simone or, or Tabitha, right? And, or other you know, popular Hebrew names back then. It's them, it's them, it's them, it's they, it's they. And it often seems like the quarrels for us are with the family members. Those are, the ones, that are the, 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 the ones that hurt the most, the ones that are the most difficult to navigate, the ones that happen the most often. And it's why it's because we're close. The closer you are to, uh, to somebody, the bigger the conflict actually is. And it magnifies it. It's like getting close to a fire. The closer you are, the hotter it is. And it's why in our families, conflict seems to be rampant. And we think, why? We wouldn't fight with anybody else. Just get close to them for a little bit. You will, you will. So James is asking this question, "What's causing the quarrels and fights among you?" And he's not asking them a question because he's expecting an answer. He knows they don't know. So he asks them another question. He says this, and he says, "Don't they come from the evil desires within you? Don't they come from the evil desires within you?" And they're probably sitting there like, "What? Who me? Who me? Who me? Who me?" Who, me? <laughs> I'm innocent. I'm just like this. You know, maybe it's your husband. He looks like that. Who, Who? me? What? It's in me? He's like, you know what? You don't understand the source James is saying to them. And that's why you can't solve the conflict. You don't understand what's actually going on inside of you. You don't actually understand where this conflict between you and they is coming from. And so because you don't know what the source is, you're actually not fixing anything. And it just continues to happen. So he says, don't you realize it's actually coming from in you? The source, you know, I was thinking about that, you know, you you get in your car or or you you ever been in, you know, in the vehicle and all of a sudden you smell this smell and you know it wasn't you and you're like, you're like, something just reeks. You're like, "Ah, I got to get an air freshener or something or, you know, you get an air freshener and put it in, it's like, you know, ah, man, you know, it's still, I still smell it. So you get a few more or you go wash your car and then you find out like a, a, a mouse died underneath, you know, the wife's seat or something. You're like, well, finally you figure it out. But so many people, we got stinkiness happening in our relationships, this stinky conflict, and we're like trying to mask it with all kinds of other things. We, we keep thinking it's they, it's they, it's they. You know, they would just get an air freshener, right? If they would just do something different, if they would just, whatever. And yet the source still is there and the source is in you. He says there's a desire, there's a want, a desire for pleasure, a conflict inside of you. There's something that you're missing inside of you and it's spilling out to everyone else and it's causing conflict. In James chapter 4 verse um, 2, he says you want, you desire what you don't have. If we could recognize this one thought, you want something that you don't have, if you recognize this and own this, it will automatically decrease conflict in, in your life. If everyone in your family, which is pretty ideal, if all of them were here this morning and listening, and all of them were like, ah, okay, I can own this thought, there'd almost be no conflict in your relationships. No negative, no heated, no high levels of of volume and spit and whatever. It would go down immediately. Think about your most recent conflict. Think about the conflict with your spouse, with your teen, with your parent. If you thought this, that... The source of the conflict was actually something in me. Part of it, something uh, is in me. It would just lower the temperature. And some of you are like, there's an argument right away. You're like, no, Mark, it's not something that I want. It's something that uh, I deserve or something that they promised. And we're going to come back to that. James chapter 4, he says, you know what? You want something and you don't have it. And so you scheme. That's for the women. And you kill. That's for the men to get it. You scheme and you kill. And we're like, Paul, are you writing to like people in prison? You know, these guys have killed and he's like writing this practice. He's not, he doesn't mean kill literally. He means kill in the, in the, um, as, as a figure of speech. But he's saying this, you get so amped up by what you want. You want, you want, you want something that you don't have that gets so amped up inside that you'll destroy the relationships with they because you want it and you can't, get it it's amazing what people will say in an argument isn't it true some of the most hurtful words you've heard have been in conflict (laughs) it's crazy and yet those words don't go away but you'll you'll slaughter the relationship Paul well James when he writes he says you know you'll murder the relationship for it and you'll hurt the people and you know who they are they're the ones closest to you because this is where the conflict happens all the time Spouses, you know, that have killed the relationship with your spouse because you wanted them to be more affectionate or you wanted them to make more money or you wanted them to make you happy and you kept kind of nagging at that and nagging at that and nagging at that to something you wanted that you didn't have and you destroyed, you pushed them away. Some parents, you've killed the relationship with your kids because you wanted them to be what you wanted them to be. You had desires and dreams of, you're going to be a doctor! Gosh darn it. You're going to be a sports star. You are going to succeed in soccer, hockey, whatever. And you push, push, push. And they're like, Dad, I just want to be a geographical botanist. I don't even know if that's something. And you push, 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 and they slaughtered the relationship. Some of you teens, you've done it. You killed the relationships with your parents because you wanted To make all the rules. You wanted to be the one to be be master of your own happiness. And your parents, those rules, those curfews, that, that infringes on that. And I want, I want what I don't have. And you rebelled against your parents. And you've killed the relationship there. We do it all the time. and It's different things, you know. We want something so bad, we'll do whatever it takes to get it. We don't realize we're doing it. You'll criticize You'll belittle the other person so you feel better on the inside. You want to win the argument. And when you win, that means someone else has to lose. And you've got to be right. Well, when you're right, that means someone else has to be wrong. You think about what it feels like to lose. You hate it. You think about what it feels like to be wrong. You hate it. And he says, this is what's happening. And this is the source. He says, if you don't realize the source, you're not going to do anything about it. It's just going to keep happening. James chapter 4, he says this. You desire what you don't have. You want something. You're not getting it. So you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others, of what they have, but you can't get it. And so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. It's like, they've got what I want. They've got the happiness. They've got what I want. And I'm going to take it from them. They they have it. And if I could just get them to do what it is that I want, then I'm going to have this back. The thing is you often want something from them or you want something for them and some of the things you say, you think it's really for them, you know. I just want them to reach their full potential. I just want them to be the best they can be. I just really want them to be responsible. I want the best for them, but a lot of that, you know, I just really want them to be successful, but a lot of that's more for you than it is for them. I want to be able to slap on my, you know that bumper sticker, my son's a doctor on my car. Get in there and study. You know, I want to be, proud of whatever, fill in the blank. Powerful thought, if you want something from someone else, if you want something from the they, you have the potential to kill the relationship between you. If you want something, if you own that thing that you want, you have the potential to kill the relationship. And some of you are thinking, no, Mark, it's them, it's them, it's them. You don't understand my situation. No, that's what the Bible says, but, you know, you did say there's the real life, and it's them. It's her, it's him, it's my kid, it's my parent. And James keeps saying, no, it's you, it's you, it's you. There's something in you. And you know, there's there's a thought if we could, if we could imagine what our families would look like if we all owned this one idea, it'd be crazy. You're like, well, how do we do that? How do we own the idea? What does that look like in real life? I love how, I love how Andy Stanley put it, he said this: if we could just pause. You know, the next time we could feel the conflict coming on, she said something. She looked at you wrong. He took your toys. She took your stuff. And you're like, oh, wait, pause. And you ask yourself this question. Or you said, you know, before she's right there, you're right here. You're about to talk to they and blast them. And you say, you know what? You know what part of the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. Spouse to spouse, you know what part of the problem is, honey? I'm not getting what I want. To your teen, you know what part of the problem is? Uh, I'm not getting what I want. Dad, you know what part of the problem is? Uh, I'm I'm not getting what I want. All of a sudden, it levels things down. I'm not getting what I want. Andy Stanley said it this way. Most people probably won't do something with this. He drew this pie chart. Uh, and he said, hey, you know what, let's just take this. I know that's my version of pie, uh, a blue ball. Um, so he says, just take this, and I want you to just picture this as the conflict in your relationship, whatever it is, parents, teens, spouses, this is all of the conflict. This is the, this is the conflict right now in your relationship. He said, to them, I want you to, he said, you know, in marriage counseling, he said it's, just, it's never worked, but he tried it anyway. He says, I want you to take, he said, I want you.' He would hand it to each person. He said, I want you to take a pencil, and I want you to draw a slice of how much of it is actually your fault. And some of you say, you know, it's a slice like this. And for some, they look at him like, no, 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 that's too big. You know, he says, even if it's smaller, teeny tiny little piece, that's your fault. And the rest, that's your wife. He says, draw a slice. He said, you know what? It never worked. Why? Because nobody would draw a slice. Because as soon as you draw a slice, then you have to be nice. As soon as you draw the slice, you've got to do something. You've got to own part of it. You've got to focus on that part. See, the thing is, there's really no marriage problems. There isn't. There's single problems that you had a long time ago, and then you married someone. And by being close to them, you magnified that problem. See, before, you could do whatever you wanted because you were single. Then you got married, and you had children, but you still thought that you could still have everything that you wanted, and you could have it your way. That's not real life. That's Burger King. Burger King said, you can have it your way for 40 years. And even they realize it doesn't work and they have just recently changed their slogan. You can't have it your way. And most people, they're not going to draw a slice and they don't want to because as long, if they have to draw a part that's their part, the argument is no longer as solid as it was. As soon as you own a part, you lose, you lose the leverage and ability to convince and blame the other person. Because it's not all theirs. You're there's all of a sudden another side, there's another witness in the case, and the argument that was slam dunk for you, it's their fault. It's not as strong anymore. For some of you this morning, you're like, objection. Objection. He promised that he would do. They said that they would do. They were at a at an altar giving marriage vows saying they would do. This is not something that I want. It's something they promised. It's something they owe me but james said it's about all that in every part of it and you know what the part is the part of you that's still saying you know what the, the i want in that is i want you to keep your promise i want inside of me that you would live up to the marriage vow that you made to me that's what i want that i'm not having and that want is still a part of the problem it's not the whole problem it's part and you're like that's not fair that is not fair. We don't do not fair. We are not even allowed to use not fair because not fair only works when it benefits you. You know, you, you know, when when you got here this morning and there was barely a parking space, you're like, oh, that's not fair. I got to park in the ditch. If you got here early and there's one or late and there was one spot left right by the door, you're not parking in that space. Going, oh, this is not fair. This should have been for somebody else. No, you'd be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, you provided the spot for me. We can't use that's not fair. We can't use that's not fair because part of it, there's something in us that no matter what, part, part of the problem is that I, there's something that I want that I'm not getting. And James says this: he says you don't have what you want. The reason you don't have what you want is because you don't ask God for it. This is an incredibly powerful thought right here. So for you here this morning, you're like, you know, I just came to visit church. You know, I'm not a Christian. I, I, I'm not a Jesus follower. If I was to say to you this morning that everything we've talked about so far, it'll work for you, even if you're not a Jesus follower. You can go home and tell your wife, you know, hon, I've kind of been thinking, you know, that maybe we should just this pause button. And she'll be like, wow, you're brilliant. You can take it for yourself. Um, but for those who are Jesus followers, here's the question says, you know what? He's saying to you, James says to you, did it, did it ever occur to you? Did it ever occur to you to talk to God first about this, this, this conflict, this thing that's, that's happening? You know, before you give your wife the angry eyes, you know, or before you send that text or email in all caps letters, before you blow up their answering machine with angry phone calls, or before you like get the spit and the volume going, and before your blood boils to overflowing in that next conflict, did you ever stop or consider that maybe I should talk to God about this? Asking the question, God, I don't know why, but I have a want in me that my husband would make more money. I have a want in me, God, that my wife would spend less money. God, I don't know what it is, but I have a want that my teenage son would get a job. I don't know what it is, God, but I want my daughter to dump that idiot. I know you made him, but something happened. I don't know what it is, but I want, God. There's something that I want for my spouse, my kids. I don't know what, but I want it. And so oftentimes what happens there is we begin to pray. And we begin to pray, God, would you change them? God, would you get him a job? God, would you change my husband? I've tried all this time, 25 years. It hasn't worked. Would you change him? God, I give you my kids. And he's like, I gave them to you. (laughs) And we begin to pray that God would do what we couldn't do and still try and change them. We think it's spiritual. We're praying for them that they would change. But he's saying, hey, the question is this. One question is, did it ever occur to you to talk to God? First, the second is this. Did you ever, did it ever occur to you that they might not even be able to give you what you want? Has that thought crossed your mind that maybe they don't actually have what it is that I want, that I've been badgering them for, wishing they would do? Remember here in way back in the day, I needed, I needed some vases from... Uh, the neighbors last night, I was like, I need some vases, one for a man and a woman, so they gave me these, Um, so (laughs) guessing this is man, so uh, it'd be like this, the husband badgering his wife for something, and so she's finally like, okay, you know what, he's, I got needs, I'm empty, I'm missing something, And, 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 and asking the wife to fill that up so I can be happy, what happens though, leaves are empty, And all of a sudden, she's got these needs, and she's got this emptiness on the inside. And she looks to her husband, please, please fill those needs, meet those needs. And he pours into her, and all of a sudden, he's half empty again and missing. And it's like this emptiness, and they go back and forth. And what it is, it's a cycle because none of them ever have that opportunity to be filled because some things they cannot fill in your life. And all you're doing is breaking the relationship, killing it. For some of you, you're looking for your self-worth in your spouse. They cannot give that to you. They cannot compliment you enough. They cannot do whatever it is enough to make you feel that self-worth. Because that can only come from God. For some of you, you know, maybe as you're praying about this, God, it gives God the opportunity to come in and say, Listen, the problem is not that your husband doesn't make enough money. The problem is, sweetheart, that you're greedy you got a God in your life called money. You serving stuff. He's making $500,000 a year, and it's still not enough. And it begins to say, wait a second. Oh, sheesh, my part is I no longer have to badger, badger, badger for money. For some, you know what? Your wife, she can't live up to your sexual addiction. You have desire, desire, desire that she can't meet. And for some, it's like as you begin to pray, God, I want, I want, I want. He says, you know what? The problem is what you want isn't right. The desire is way beyond what it should be. You've taken it to a level it's not supposed to be at. And you're badgering her for something that she's never going to meet. And it causes conflict. Conflict that's destroying, killing relationships. I know it's quiet. Time to bring the happy back. When you put put God first... When you put them first, you give them the opportunity to work on that thought. And I want to challenge you with these last last thoughts. The answer for the desire sometimes is going to be no. That thing where you're saying, God's this, it's this. James says in verse 3, he says, even when you ask, you don't get. Because your motives are all wrong. You want only what's going to give you pleasure. And God's not going to give you just everything that you think you want. A good dad doesn't do that. It's happy Father's Day. He's a good father. My son says, Dad, can I have a grenade to play with? It's cool. It's round. It has a pin. I'm not giving it to him. Dad, can I please eat cotton candy for the rest of my life? No, I'm not going to give it. You're a terrible father. No, I'm not. I'm not going to give him something that's going to destroy his life. And for some of you, he just needs to say, listen, that desire, it's not good for you. Maybe they don't have what you you think you want. In an ideal family situation, people who are seeking to be followers of Jesus, there'd be a pause button in your confrontation. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, I want to challenge you to just say, I need to have that pause button. And for some of you, like, there's things that need to be addressed in my relationships. Yes, they do. They do. But remember from a couple of weeks ago, we talked about you know, the, the idea of the log. Looking at the log in your own eye first. Saying, okay, what's the desire in my heart First couple thoughts. Can you take it to God? Your conflict, this thing, can you take it to God? Can you go and pray? Not pray God change them, just pray about that. Can you take no for an answer? Be like, ah, okay, God, I obviously can't get it from them. Do I get it from you? Can you acknowledge your part of the issue? Problem is that I'm not getting what I want. Some are thinking, yeah, I can do that. Man, I just wish my wife was here today. She really needed to hear this. And you're thinking, man, I hope if I can get all my family members to listen to this, then it's all going to be, and there you go again. Trying to change they, trying to change that. They. If, they if they would just listen to this, it'll be better for me. i it to you. Do you know what the source of the conflict is in your family? Do you know what the source of the conflict is? See, we've done all this damage in our relationships, and the answer has been sitting here the whole time. Last thought. from Mr. Practical himself in James. He said this in James chapter 1, writing to the same group of people a little bit earlier. He says, don't just listen. This morning, it's my heart's cry for you. Please don't just listen to what's been said. He says, you must do what it says. Do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and walk away and forget what you look like. But if... If, if, if you look carefully into the perfect life, and if you look carefully into the word that sets you free, He says, "And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God'll bless you for doing it." How many of you saw a whole lot of yellow yous up there? Anybody see all of the green thems? The blue days? Purple days? No. He's rain to you, to you, to you, to you, to you. If You do it. He's going to bless you for it. And there's my timer. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive and it's powerful. Thanks for how it's changing my life and my relationships. And above all, thanks for restoring the relationship between you and me. God, I pray this morning for every person and every couple and every family in this place that, God, that they experience the truth of your word this week as they begin to look at some of these things that, Holy Spirit, you would speak to their hearts and you would fix what's going on inside of them, that they'd uh, be able to live out what you designed relationships to look like, that their marriage would look like the relationship between you and us, that their families would have peace and your love and your joy flowing through them. God, thanks for this amazing church and the family that you've created here. Thanks for allowing us to, to experience relationships on a, on a level of health that maybe we don't find in our own families. God, thank you for that. Thank you most of all for Jesus, for bringing us into your family so we can call you dad. We love you. It's In your name, for your glory that we live. Amen.